Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. It really does feel fantastic, doesn't it, to be, to be back together in some way, to be able to join online as we have been uh, all this time, but also in person uh, together. And, and I am celebrating uh, the moves that we are making uh, back towards being able to, to be together, to unite. It feels like a moment, does it, of, of joy and love and celebration. But really, it's all, it's all a little bit too much for my sensibilities. I've had a year of us being apart. So I thought what I would do this morning is go slightly against the flow and reintroduce some disunity to us as a church. Just just kind of, let's not let it get too much. I'm getting a bit uncomfortable with all this happiness of us being together. So here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to show you a series of images that I think are going to split us as a church down the middle. We're going to see these in different ways. And I was interested to see how we as a community see these. So here's the first one on the screen. What do you see when you look at this image? Do you see an old woman or a young woman? Which one do you see first? If you're online, why don't you start having an argument in the chat about which one you think is right? If you're in the room, let's just see a show of hands. Who first saw an old woman in this picture? I'd say that's probably a little bit over half, but maybe about 50%. Great, that's the first one. Let's keep going. Let's see the second image. Uh, This one's a bit fancy and also a bit controversial. Which one of these scones, that's right, scone, not scone, which one of these scones is correct? Is it the one with jam on the bottom or the one with cream on the bottom? Now, I'm not going to ask you to show me your hands because I can never remember which one I'm supposed to think is right because Steph always tells me. But one of those is apparently correct. So do online, keep arguing with one another. Not too much, though. I'm, I'm, be nice. Uh, last one, a, a modern-day classic. What do you see? Is this dress blue and black or white and gold? If you see it as white and gold, I don't understand you. How can you see what it's clearly black and blue? But does anyone see white and gold? Basically, most of you. That's a lot. Okay, I'm on my own in that one. Okay, last one. Here we go. This sentence that's on the screen, does this fill you with excitement or with anxiety? As you read that, does your heart start pumping in a good way Or are you just starting to feel a little bit clammy? The church is a mission or community. We've got some excitement in the room. But I'm sure loads of us, as we read that, are starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable. As uh, David and Abby said this morning, we're starting a new series together, thinking about who we are as a church. We're rediscovering the way that we can follow Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be spending these next few weeks, a couple of months doing is lockdown eases, learning who we are. And as we begin, we're reflecting on this fact that the church is called to be a community of mission, a community with a mission, the mission to to tell uh, and show people the love of God in Jesus Christ. 
But I'm, I'm so aware that as we do this, as we talk about mission, there will be so many mixed feelings in the room. This will divide us as a community because some of us will be excited. We can't wait to get going when we start talking about mission as a church. You kind of want to shout, amen, and, and just get out and get going. But for what I imagine is not a small group of us, Whenever you're challenged about this topic, whenever we talk about it as a church, you start to feel uncomfortable. You start to get a little bit anxious. You know, the idea of having to tell someone else about your faith in Jesus Christ and of doing that with confidence and doing that winsomely starts to get you a little bit stressed. Well, however you are feeling about mission this morning, that's okay. You know, we're all going to be coming from different perspectives as we think about this, but I hope that what we'll see is that the call to be a community with a mission is perhaps not as daunting as we might at first think it is. And that most importantly, we're not called to do this alone. Because here's what I want to think about this morning. This is going to come up on the screen. The church's mission is to be a witness to the good news about Jesus Christ and partners with God by his Holy Spirit. That's what it means for us to be a missional community. But as we begin, we need to think about what this good news we have to share is. And thankfully, Peter, in this passage that we've just heard read from Acts chapter 10, he unpacks it for us. And it's a message, Peter says, begins with peace. If you've got the Bible open in front of you, do look at verse 36. It says this, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The good news of the gospel is that God came in Christ to live amongst us, And this Jesus is the King and Lord of all creation. He's bringing about a brand new kingdom, a place where God rules and reigns, where he has his way right in the middle of this broken world in which we find ourselves. But the kingdom that is coming is utterly different to the one that we're in at the moment. It's a place of divine peace place where suffering is done away with and instead there is fullness of joy and wholeness and blessing without limit. Then in verses 39 and 40 we see that the good news is that this kingdom of peace was brought about by the sacrificial and loving death of Jesus. But his death was not the end of the story. It's not the end of his story or the end of our story because God raised Jesus from the dead, defeating our last and greatest enemy, death itself. And in verse 42, this risen Lord Jesus will be the judge of all people. The one who died for us is the one who holds our future safely in his hands. We can be confident and hopeful because we know the judge and he's on our side. And then finally, verses 34 and 35, this good news of salvation 
isn't just for a select ethnic uh, or family or religious group. It's not just for those who are particularly moral or know the right things to say or the right things to do. No, Peter tells us it is for everyone, for all people. Anyone, Peter says, who fears God and does what is right. We might be more used to language like repent and believe. Those people who trust in God and in his goodness and then choose to follow the way he calls us to live. Anyone who does that can receive this gift of healing and wholeness and forgiveness and rescue. That is the good news. As John famously puts it, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is our story. That is our good news. And before we go any further, I think it's right that we just pause for a moment. Because there may be some of you joining us here this morning or connecting online, and maybe you're new to church. You know, maybe you started coming over this last year since we've moved online, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you realize you've been standing on the edge looking in all this time. You've been an observer, but this story hasn't been your own. You know, perhaps even as we've been together this morning online and in person, and as we've heard the the good news read, maybe God has begun to move and work in your heart. Maybe you realize you've never taken those steps, you've never trusted in God and, and chosen to follow his call on your life. You've never made him your God, your Lord, and your Savior. But perhaps this morning, you're ready, you want to. You want to take that step. And if that's you, we'd love to pray for you in a moment. If you're online, our prayer team's available as always to pray in a moment towards the end of the service. But, but you don't need me to pray. You don't need me to say any special words. It's not about some special formula, but it's about the beginning of a relationship with a God who loves us and came to die and rise again for us. And so if even as we've started, you feel God calling you, perhaps now is the time to stop wherever you are and in your heart, pray, talk to God. Tell him that you want to follow him and be close to him. Ask him to be your Lord and your savior. You don't need to wait. This is our good news and it's for all people. Peter unpacks that story for us, but he also tells us what we're meant to do with it. He tells us what what we as the church, as a community with a mission, are meant to do as people who have this story. And he does that with a few important words. Come up at a number of times through this passage that I think are central to our calling as the church, and it's these words. Witness and good news. Witness and good news. These words are so important to us 
because they're a corrective to something that I think we get wrong all the time about what it means to be on mission. Because, you know, I think some of us think that, that we are people with a good philosophy. You know, we've got this philosophy that first and foremost is the best system of thinking about how the world works and thinking about where we find our place in it. Or we think we have good ideas about how to live, giving us kind of the best instructions of how to go about life, how to live a good life, how to find fulfillment. Or we think we have a good religion. You know, we have the best system for making ourselves right with God and of appeasing the divine. And, and then perhaps rather than thinking of ourselves as witnesses, we, we think of ourselves as teachers. You know, our job as people on a mission, we think, is to instruct and educate people about who God is, about what ideas they should have. Or, or we think that we're primarily apologists. You know, we have to argue and debate and battle with people until they think like we do. You know, we think we're soldiers fighting trying to make our philosophy the most prominent philosophy that there is. You know, each of those ideas, there's a kernel of truth in each of them. It makes sense that we'd think that that's what we've got, but that isn't what Peter says we as a community of mission are all about. Because above everything Else, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not an idea or a philosophy, but it's news. It's good news. It's the news of an event that has happened, a victory that has been won, a seismic shift that you and I have experienced and now are invited to live in the light of it. It's news that our sin has been forgiven, the work has been done, our brokenness has been healed, and this forgiveness and healing and wholeness is available to all people. And news is not something that you do. News is not something you need to fight with, but it's something that you respond to, something that you live in the light of. And so our primary relationship to the gospel and our, our role as a community with a mission isn't to defend or to construct arguments or to, to win people over, but it's to have experienced the reality of what has happened and then to invite and share people into that news we have heard. I don't know about you, but I don't find it particularly difficult to share good news with, with the people that I care about. And if you've been at Greyfriars for any amount of time, you'll know that because you'll know I've not stopped talking about the fact that my daughter was born six months ago. I think I've mentioned it probably in every single sermon since it happened because I'm really excited. Seven months, thank you, Steph. Whoops. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that Molly has been born, and so you don't need to persuade me to talk about her. I, I've experienced this joy, something that has happened that, that is wonderful, and, and I've experienced Molly, and so I just can't wait to tell anyone who will listen or be foolish enough to give me a microphone. I can't wait to tell them about what has happened. 
You know, my joy is expressed and fulfilled and increased by sharing the news of what has happened. I don't need to persuade you that Molly is excellent. You know, I just need to tell you about her, invite you to experience her as well in a socially distanced manner, of course, and you'll experience for yourselves this amazing thing that has happened, this incredible person that I've got to know. We do this naturally as humans, don't we? You know, when you've watched that TV show that you think is great, you can't shut up about it. We find that app that changes how you, you do your job, you tell all your co-workers about it. You know, when you find a product that you think everyone should own, you just tell everyone when they see you uh, carrying whatever it is. Sharing good news is natural to us. You know, we don't need events and, and programs and professionals. We share out of the overflow of our hearts. And that is what Peter says the church is to do with this good news. We're to be witnesses. We're to share this thing we've experienced. You know, as I look back over my journey of becoming a Christian, it, it's been a story of good news and witness. Now, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I called myself a Christian when I was about four, I think, but, but really my faith became my own uh, when I was a teenager. And what won me over wasn't a clever argument. It wasn't someone beating me into submission. It wasn't a persuasive sermon or a militant teacher. No, it was the gentle witness. Every day, through words and through actions, through their response to what they had received of my parents, of my friends, and of some key mentors who invested in me, who showed me what it meant to have met with Jesus and gently encouraged and invited me to experience the same. That's what the church is meant to be. That's what it means to have a mission. And there's one more thing that Peter says. Because remember, the church's mission is to be a witness to the good news about Jesus Christ and partners with the Holy Spirit. We see from the end of this passage, from verse 44 onwards, an encouraging reality. Because whenever God's people go out as witnesses to this good news, God shows up. Perhaps more accurately, we could say that when we go out, we find that God has gone out ahead of us. He's at work by his Holy Spirit. He's moving and transforming and convicting and saving. He's doing the work. And he does it especially when his people tell the good news. We're never alone as witnesses. Important thinker in the 20th century about this, a man called Leslie Newbigin puts it like this. He says, the deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is, on the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. Mission, on mission, where the good news is being shared, that's where God can be found. And so if you want to know the presence and power of Jesus in your life, which I know so many of us do, join him on mission as you witness to this good 
news. And that's where you will find him at work. So you and I have a mission. We're a community who witness to the good news about Jesus Christ. And we're partners with the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. We're not expert debaters. We're not theologians with all the answers. No, we're witnesses to something that has happened, something that we've experienced. And we get to share with others. And, and, I, and I know, I'm not, I'm not kidding myself. I know that doesn't answer all of our discomfort. But please hear me. I'm not coming from a place of perfect confidence and perfection when I talk about this. I know personally that experience of, of butterflies and nervousness when you think there might be a chance to talk about Jesus but you don't know how to do it and you don't want to do it badly and, and you hear that voice pulling you back from doing this thing that we're called to do. I know that. I, I feel that myself. I, I might sometimes find myself shifting into that category of discomfort rather than excitement when we talk about this. But do you know what? I think God is okay with that. I think God can work with me and he can work with us where we are. He can grow us and shape us and move us forwards. And he has grace for us wherever we find ourselves. God loves us now as we are, not just as we will be, even as he grows and shapes us. But how can we move forward? As I finish, two very quick thoughts. Firstly, if you are listening this morning, and you're like me, you find yourself as we hear our mission in that uncomfortable category, then perhaps the next step for us is to know and experience this good news, not just as an idea or a, relig a, rel a religious philosophy, but as news, as something that has happened. That experience is a gift of God. I'm going to pray that we would have that experience in just a moment. God and his power would make this more than just ideas, but would make it a reality. But it's also something that we can step ourselves into. Now, that's why Christians immerse themselves in the story of Scripture. It's why we pray over these words that we read and, and discuss them with God in prayer. It's why we commit to coming together as a community of worship. Because as we do all of these things, we experience this story as a reality. And it transforms us. That's the first thing. Secondly... As perhaps we anxiously take steps forwards, or if you're ready to go, if you were saying right from the beginning, yes, John, let's just go and get on with this, then I'd like to pray for boldness and for opportunities, even in the week ahead that we would have chances to share this story, because that is who we are. We are a church with a mission.